Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And we have in the background, Helena Hodges, our producer, who is the Vice President of Finance and Operations. Now, for today's episode, we are interviewing Carrie Addington. Welcome, Carrie. Hi. Now, We're before so you're here, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Now, before we get to the exciting topic, there's something I love uh, facilitation in action. Can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners slash sure. watchers on YouTube? <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. Absolutely. My name is Carrie Addington, and I am the Senior Manager of Learning Experience and Facilitator Development at ATD. And prior to coming to ATD, I was actually working with Estee Lauder companies for one of their hair care brands, doing education in their university, as well as uh, field sales business consulting. Um, I wasn't so great at the sales. I just really wanted to do education all the time. And it turns out that does not always yield sales. So uh, I, but I, that's where I kind of got attracted to facilitation and training and really started honing the skill set and the passion for that. Um, but at ATD, as I mentioned, uh, I lead the internal facilitator team at ATD and work on the development efforts for all of the performance support for our network of facilitators for ATD education programs. And um, have had the pleasure of, of being a part of some of the learning experience design for some of our key programs, like our new DEI and Talent Development Certificate program, as well as our ATD Master Trainer program. So uh, just really just loving the work that I'm getting to do and the community of ATD. So, Yeah. Awesome. Well, and uh, today's topic has uh, is base basically based basically based. It is based off of <laughs> <laughs> the same title of your book, Facilitation yeah. in Action. And I love how you open up the book with uh, facilitator mindset. Mm -hmm. So, can can you level set us uh, maybe first with defining what facilitation means as as you uh, define it, and then what exactly is this facilitator mindset? Yeah, I love that. So this book, Facilitation Action, really in action really sparked out of uh, myself and my team of um, three amazing co-writers and facilitators who we all do facilitation for ATD's training delivery program. So our training and facilitation certificate program, as well as our master trainer program. And from those experiences, what we have seen in these train the trainer programs is that learners are constantly hungry for uh, really seeing other facilitators in action. So it's one thing to get a checklist of here are 10 things you should do to be an effective facilitator or trainer. It's another thing to see three or four different people 
show you how you can do those things that are on the checklist. And so that was really the aim of the book was to bring together these four facilitators who are like-minded, but also very, very different in how our styles showcase in a certain scenario. And we wanted to bring that to the pages of the book. Um, So really showing facilitation in action, which is the how of our profession and how we start to really hone in on the nuances that make us the facilitators we are. It gets into style. And yes, mindset is a big part of that. We started the book with mindset, uh, mostly because we talk about the facilitation mindset being really an understanding of why you're there Mm -hmm. and who you're there for. Uh, and what you want to bring to your facilitation. So really we get into, this is where we start the book with the the very popular topic of pivoting in the moment. What do you do in those Mm. moments when you need to adapt on the fly? And how do you choose which direction to go? We talk about uh, it's equal parts intuition and planning. So it's a Mm. little bit of having a plan and then throwing the plan away. Improv. Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, I learned long ago um, from a mentor, they said, you got to, you got to know the rules to break the rules. You can't just break Mm -hmm. them. So it's, it's really about that planning and intuition balance. And in that facilitation mindset, one of the key things we talk about is holding your learners able versus accountable. And this notion of Mm. accountability being and I'm oversimplifying here, but accountability being more of a transactional approach. It's very task and deadline centered, whereas ableness is really more collaborative between the facilitator and learner and saying, I want to get us into the land of ideas and parameters. And so it it can sound like, did you complete the training, which is very accountability focused versus did you have the tools you needed to complete the activity? What barriers did you encounter? And more importantly, if you encounter those same barriers on the job, what are you going to do? Yeah. I love how that brings the control back to the learner. You know, mm-hmm. and we talk so much about how adult learners especially want to feel as though they have a say in what's happening. And that really helps to bring that back to them. So first of all, I love that concept. I think that is fantastic. You used a word, though, that made me sit up instantly. And you talked about style. Style is hard for facilitators. And when you were mentioning that a lot of people like to listen to other facilitators, I would bet that trying to hone their own style is a big part of that. Tell us more about style and how you might be able to learn from others, but maybe even more importantly, what does it look like to figure out what is going to be a good, natural, authentic style for you? Love that question. Um, (laughs) So really, when we're talking about finding your authentic facilitation style, it's getting into that highlighting your natural strengths and character, you know, what you are really bringing that is starting to resonate with learners consistently and intentionally and purposefully injecting that in your learning experiences. And so one of the key ways that we talk about a variety of approaches you can take, but one of my personal favorites is really looking at any of that evaluative feedback that you have at the end of a course, whether it's formal evaluation surveys and comments or informal, um, just having one-on-one conversations with individuals and really getting their feedback on the learning experience. Um, If it is in the evaluations, I like to go through and literally take a highlighter and highlight the words and phrases that appear most consistently. 
So if I start to see things like down to earth, practical, funny, energetic, these are things that I will start to notice are becoming a trend. And then I can start to think about what are the specific facilitation skills that I have in my toolkit that I can operationalize more intentionally to really hone in on these things that have been identified as a style that I bring to my facilitation. So that's maybe the approach I would take with formal evaluations. If it is more informal and you don't have that or access to that information, uh, I oftentimes will say it can be as easy as having a one-on-one conversation with someone after a course and just asking, what should I start and what should I stop? And that simple, give me one thing for each is really still giving you that feedback. If I am further along in my kind of developing of my style, I might even say, what do I need to keep doing? Because that gets into what is particular Mm. to me that you don't want to see me lose. Uh, And so that keep question can be quite effective informally as well. Oh, feedback is always so important. That makes Mm -hmm. a ton of sense. It also demystifies those evaluations that sometimes can be uh, troublesome to review, might we say. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to put on your tough skin sometimes. But I think the, the beauty of that is that you're getting analytical and intentional with that feedback and going, how can I, how can I take this into my next delivery and, you know, really hone in on the practical and what am I going to do with my questioning techniques or how I set up an activity or how I demonstrate and behavior model? Like, how am I going to really do that in a way that is practical and down to earth? And I think it makes a lot of sense too, because for a lot of us who facilitate, there are times where you have a great day and there are Mm -hmm. times where you don't. And sometimes... As the person who was facilitating, it is difficult to put your finger on what it was that made it great or not so great. You know the feeling, but you don't quite know what it might have been. It's that feedback that can help you to figure out what the secret sauce was or maybe where it was lacking so that you know where those spaces for improvement might be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's also one of the things in the book that I think is really beneficial is we we go into scenarios of here is a scenario of a training event and a situation that occurs. And here's each of our four individual perspectives of how we facilitate that situation based on our particular style. So we might say, you know, Jared Douglas, my one of my co-authors, he might say, I'm collaborative and here's my collaborative approach to handling this scenario. So you can see those four different perspectives. And then it starts to get your brain moving in the direction of, well, wait a minute, how would, how would I define my approach yeah. and what would my approach be? Um, because there isn't one right way to facilitate. Yeah. And one of the things too, um, it's really important to me and I, and I'm, I, I appreciate that nowadays people are realizing this, right. But keeping a psychologically safe environment for the people in the facilitation session. Um, and I, this is top of mind for me. Cause I mean, just last week, <laughs> you know, there's uh, sometimes you have to step in, right. To make sure that uh, the, the environment is inclusive. The participants are being inclusive. Um, what are your recommendations for creating and maintaining uh, perhaps a psychologically safe environment and maybe identifying when one does need to step in as the facilitator. 
Yeah, it's a great question. It's something we tackle when we think about our role in learning. We talk about creating that positive learning environment, that psychologically safe learning environment. And there's a number of facilitation skills that we can leverage that do this effectively from behavior modeling and expectation setting, normalizing mistakes, which I like to call learning. Yes. (laughs) Right. Uh, Really establishing those group commitments that can really collaboratively establish what the group is committing to together in this learning space and then holding each other able to follow those as opposed Mm -hmm. to accountable. That's Mm -hmm. really something that can go a long way for creating that positive learning environment. And when it comes to overcoming challenges in the classroom, this is a passion topic of mine. Uh, I was drawn to it because I was finding a lot of articles and a lot of videos and a lot of guidance around challenges in the classroom as managing the pesky participant or managing the problem participant. And so it was really casting a lot of that blame, if you will, on the participant. And I I wasn't so much interested in managing their behavior as much as overcoming their behavior to keep the learning event moving forward for the group. And so really when it gets to that, uh, you know, I always say establishing upfront a collaborative group commitments, everybody can hold each other able to follow is something that will usually kind of stop anything before it begins and will also be a great place to return to almost as your mm-hmm. compass collaboratively. Yeah. Uh, so that's one key thing that we talk about. We also talk about in creating a positive learning environment. Uh, really just modeling the behavior that we want our learners to present. Uh, How do you create that safety? I think there's a lot of value in perspective taking and storytelling and building that into the almost front loading that into your program, whether it's designed into the program or whether you're using an icebreaker in a way that is really intentionally meant to take the perspectives of the learners in the room. So the voices can start to feel heard right on the onset of the program. That in and of itself will create a lot of that psychological safety. Nice. I think that is a fantastic way to look at that. And it gets me thinking, too, about and this is another word that you had shared, too. And I know a word that just terrifies so many of us making a mistake. What happens when you do something that you didn't mean to do? You wish you didn't do. I've heard a lot of colleagues of mine who facilitate talk about how hard it can be to feel like you can recover. How have you seen that done effectively? Are there tools or strategies that you might recommend people be prepared for? Is it about acknowledging it? Is it about having something you can go to that can help you to feel like you can get yourself back on track? Yeah. First and foremost, I think it's just about being completely authentic. If I am going to completely derail us, if I'm going to give the instructions to an activity and I have just jumbled them to the point of mass confusion, (laughs) it's all on me. Even if it's not on me, I'm going to accept that, that ownership and just say, hey, let's just try that again. That was wildly impossible to follow and you are not (laughs) set up for success. That, that kind of authenticity breaks breaks that kind of tension. And suddenly it also gives permission to the learners that they can make those same mistakes in their learning process. And so that for me is always my go-to. But also humor is, is part of my approach and part of my style. So that comes more natural. So that may not be another facilitator's approach. Um, 
some of my peers would say that their approach for this is really to think through what the what if scenarios, what will I do if I give an instruction and I'm just getting blank stares? What do I do in that moment? And how do I recover quickly? Um, and so I, th- but I think that authenticity is never going to fail anyone to just say, wow, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me rewind. <laughs> Somebody tell me what I just said. I lost mm-hmm. my train of thought. That's real. That's real. We're not expected yeah. to be perfect. We're expected to have an impact on people. And that mm. authenticity does that. It's that reminder that we are humans working with other humans. Yes. yes. And this is a good space to be a human in. I love yeah. that idea. And I think you're space. absolutely right. It'll it'll really put people at ease. And I think just as importantly, perhaps put the facilitator at ease, giving people a chance to see that that mistake was okay. We're moving on. Time to refocus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Now, there is a gold mine of information in your book. And we don't have that much more time left. What do you want? Our, obviously, so obviously people need to go read the book. But what do you want to to share with our listeners in relation to this topic? Yeah, I think in relation to facilitation and the book and why it's beneficial and why we wrote it really was we came together with, you know, four facilitators who facilitate a number of ATD programs. And what we found was probably about 20 key questions that we were hearing from learners consistently Mm -hmm. in our programs, regardless of the program. Uh, And it was really these questions that we thought, what if we could bring four different perspectives and approaches to these questions that are most Mm -hmm. common in our learners. It allowed us to keep the learners at the center of the book, um, like we aim to do with our facilitation. And so a lot of the uh, questions that appear through the book, they came from our learners. And so we wanted to address them very specifically. I think the benefit is it really makes, you know, trainers learn best from other trainers. They learn a lot from seeing things modeled and Mm -hmm. digging into it and analyzing it and kind of breaking it apart and then putting it back together and thinking of how they would approach that same uh, topic or style or skill. Um, And so this book does that for them. It's really meant to be that train the trainer program on the page so that those departments of one, those trainers that are kind of doing, wearing many hats and are out there and going, I don't have a team to brainstorm with. I can't go to a team and ask them, how would you approach this? We, we want to be that team on the page for them. And so that was really the aim. And so I, we're hoping that that reaches an audience in a really great way and really just makes a train the trainer program accessible to those that can't get to a training program right now. I love the concept and it is, I think it especially resonates for me too, because thinking about the last couple of years, so many of us made that transition from in-person to virtual facilitation. Mm -hmm. And some of us did it a little bit more easily than others. Mm -hmm. I know people who were absolutely panicked when they saw all of those black boxes with no cameras on because they (laughs) needed to see those faces in order to know if they were doing okay. Mm -hmm. And I think what you shared is so important in that many of us want and need to learn from one another. We need to see things modeled to know how you tolerate or how you handle situations that perhaps are very uncomfortable for you. So, I mean, I just, I think it's such a great concept for a book. Yeah. And, you know, it, to your point, it just, yeah. active facilitation, it's a constant recalibration. 
There is no getting comfortable. There is no arrival. We never arrive. We are constantly (laughs) having to, we know. And if we do, we might be not open to what's happening around us. There's so a problem. Yeah. Right. It's really, you know, and I think that's the thing that I love most about facilitation. And I think that comes through on the pages, you know, training and developing others. It's a whole category of human connection. And this hopefully makes it easier. Uh, that's exactly what it is. It's about human connection. I have loved everything that you have shared. These are brilliant tips and ideas. I am so excited. I've had the chance to learn some of these from you. And I'm also very excited that we're not quite done with our questions for you today. So at the end of each of our episodes, we like to ask three rapid fire style questions. These are questions that are meant to be just quick hits for you, 60 seconds or less to answer, but gives us a chance to chat a little bit more. So what do you think? Are you ready for a little rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. Your first question today. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'm going to go with Essentialism, The Disciplined mm. Pursuit of Less by Greg McKeown. And mm. it it aligns to my lifelong failed pursuit of minimalism. But it... <laughs> It's such a great, it's one of those books that you want to reread every year to remind yourself of the things that have kind of filtered out over time. But the book is just fantastic. It helps sift out the noise to really find what is core and central to who you are and your purpose. Yeah. Adding that to my list. That sounds great. Thank you for that one. Yeah. It's a new one. All right. Next question. What is one tool that you can't live without? Anything editing based, like Ooh. a human, a tool, anything. <laughs> I am, I am notorious. My coworkers will tell you I am a horrible typist and I am just littered with typos. It's a skill if you can <laughs> read what I'm trying to say, ironically. Um, so editors loving them, especially after just writing this book, um, the editors at ATD Press, fantastic. Uh, but also I'd say a tool that's really fantastic for design and facilitation is Bongo, which is a video assessment solution. And what I love about Bongo from the training delivery and facilitation perspective is that it incorporates in the moment feedback. So it's video submissions, for assessments. And as a facilitator, you can pause in the moment and provide feedback at timestamps. So it really, the workflow incorporates the feedback into the performance. Can't wait to check that out. That's another new one. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Last question for you for today. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I had to think about this one. This one was hard, but I would say the one that kind of permeates everything is don't edit yourself right out of what you're doing. Mm. And this was writing advice. I am, I am a poet and a writer and it was writing advice from a fellow writer and mentor. And it was really getting to the heart of you can learn all the things about all the things, but be careful not to edit yourself right out of the work. And I apply Mm. that as well to facilitation and, that's where style comes in. So that's amazing. Oh, that's great. I love that advice. Yeah. Isn't it great? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Thanks, oh. Professor Eklund. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Oh. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today to share oh. your wisdom on facilitation. 
Thank you so much for having me and for just all you do for the DC Metro chapter. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, and of course, we want to thank our community of listeners and members and everyone else involved. Thank you for joining us. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD or following us on social media? Go to dcatd.org and click on About. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 